Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. Kirby exists in a weird place among Nintendo's lineup. The series is very consistently attended to. There's always at least one Kirby game on every console or handheld. And while some are better than others, all of them tend to be well regarded by fans. Despite the consistent releases and quality, though, Kirby is never really considered to be one of the heavy hitters of Nintendo. It's kind of in the B team of all their franchises. That might be because Kirby is owned by a second party company. You'll notice that whenever there's a gathering of different Nintendo characters, with the exception of Smash Brothers, Kirby is never there. For example, that Kiaru Pamu Pamu 3DS commercial where all the Nintendo characters had fancy frilly outfits like Hipster Bowser. There were Mario characters, Zelda, Animal Crossing, even Samus showed up. Then with Mario Kart, Zelda, Splatoon, Animal Crossing, even a car from F-Zero all showed up. Then in Nintendo Land, they had Mario game, they had Metroid, F-Zero, Pikmin, Zelda, probably a few others, but never Kirby. Kirby is never in any of these get-togethers. Since it's more complicated to feature him due to more rights being involved, that's probably one of the reasons why he falls to the wayside as much, why he's never really up there with the headliners. Not that Kirby is an unknown series by any means, but I think the lack of exposure might be part of the reason why Kirby is the underdog in spite of itself. Which is a shame, too, because other than the utter juggernaut that is Pokemon and the Golden Boy Mario, Kirby is probably one of the most experimental of all the Nintendo series. It's a platformer game most of the time, but then every third game just shifts with the formula in some way before switching back to normal. You'll get your Kirby's Dream Courses or your Kirby Air Rides, your Kirby Epic Yarns, all that kind of stuff. And all of those games have their fans. But one game exists in kind of a Venn diagram middle ground between the main Kirby games and the Kirby experiments. It plays like a standard Kirby game, but the level design is a departure from what you'd normally expect. Kirby and the Amazing Mirror is what happens when you try to make a Kirby game into a Metroidvania and if you take it farther than the Great Cave Offensive ever did. Lately, I've heard people being confused over what a Metroidvania is, if they haven't ever played Metroid of Castlevania. So, real fast, traditionally, a Metroidvania game is a 2D platformer with massive room-by-room world, thriving on exploration and backtracking. There are lots of different enemy types to encounter, lots of different abilities to access and use to progress through the story as you go through each new area, because Metroidvanias are actually quite linear, despite all the exploration. As an extra note, I briefly went over Kirby and the Amazing Mirror back in Bit 44, which is also the last time I talked about the Kirby series in general, but I mainly talked in regards to Dark Meta Knight, so... This bit will be a more thorough discussion of the game. There's this mystical artifact called the Amazing Mirror, 
for some reason, a version of Meta Knight appears and attacks Kirby, turning him into four Kirbys. This doesn't do anything except justify the multiplayer functionality. The Kirbys follow this Meta Knight into the mirror world, where Dark Meta Knight traps regular Meta Knight into another mirror and cuts up the pieces, forcing the Kirbys to gather all the pieces because they all got sent to the different corners of the game world. So begins the adventure. Kirby and his doppelgangers embark on a plotless quest all around the different regions of the mirror world, gathering the shards of the Amazing Mirror, or the Dimension Mirror. Actually, yeah, I think that's the name. Amazing Mirror might just be the title of the game. The areas within the mirror world are numbered, and you're more than likely to encounter certain regions before others, but for the most part, you can decide where to go in what order. It might take a bit of work or tracking down a certain copy ability, but the mirror world is yours to explore. In most Metroidvania games, or at least the trope naming Metroid in Castlevania, the order of events is flexible, but not freeform. In Super Metroid, for instance, the flow of events usually sees you visiting Crateria, Brinstar, Norfair, the Abandoned Ship, Meridia, Lower Norfair, and then Turian in that order. While sequence breaking is certainly possible, the game expects the player to sequentially find more upgrades and tools and travel from one corner of the world to the next. Kirby and the Amazing Mirror keeps a lot of the Kirby gameplay intact. It's merely the level design that's changed. Kirby still plays like Kirby, so he can have any power at any time, making it easier to reach a certain area if you have the right power. And more often than not, an enemy bearing the required power will be somewhere in the vicinity, so you're encouraged to make your own way. This makes the game more freeform, allowing for different experiences each time you go through the game. King Golem at the end of Moonlight Mansion will usually be the first boss you defeat, unless you go out of your way or really, really dedicated to exploring. But the last of the regular bosses could very well be any of them. Maybe you'll go in numerical order and finish in Candy Constellation. Maybe you'll find all but one world and end up discovering all of Ocean last due to how out of the way it is. Maybe you're like Chugga Conroy and the Runaway Guys and stumble across Peppermint Palace, forget to activate the warp point to it, and then forget all about it until all but one mirror piece has been collected. World 1 is unique in this formula because... There's no proper biome for it. There's not even a true boss battle or a mirror piece to collect. Rainbow Route is just a glorified hub world. It's a winding pathway that branches off into all the other worlds. And interestingly enough, all the other worlds occasionally have passages to the other other worlds. One interesting thing is that the game's Japanese title makes reference to the new take on level design, Hoshi no Kirby Kagami no Daimeku, I, I butchered that, I'm sure, which means Kirby of the Stars, the Great Labyrinth of the Mirror. This game has a lot of translation weirdness, you'll find. Apart from the usual Kirby looks angry on the American version shtick, a lot of enemy and ability names are slightly different between the different versions, more than what you'd usually get. Perhaps the most egregious example would be the ice mid-boss, Mr. Flosty. 
Despite the fact that he is a recurring mid-boss in the series, he was already known as Mr. Frosty. The translators... I don't know what they were doing. I guess they were getting a sandwich or something while they were supposed to be localizing this character. How do you make that mistake? One of my friends joked that he has big teeth and he has to floss them all the time. I guess... I guess that's the new dentist Kirby ability that they foreshadowed. We still haven't seen it yet. Apart from the level design, the game's big hook is the multiplayer aspect. Of course, this was back in the Game Boy Advance days, so playing together required a bit of doing. There was no Wi-Fi to simplify things, and so you had to have those weird cords that connected all the different Game Boy Advances together. Nobody liked that. I like to think it's not a coincidence the next generation of handhelds introduced online play. Also, multiplayer was the only way that Kirby's doppelgangers would ever be useful. They exist even in single-player mode, and they're off doing their own thing a lot of the time, getting powers or not, but don't expect them to contribute anything meaningful. The multiplayer does speed up the rate of progress, though, provided everyone playing the game knows how a Kirby game would work. Ostensibly, you can split the party right out of the gate, and everyone can search for separate mirror pieces, getting about four at a time at about the same time, give or take the difficulty of each region and boss fight. And if you need a little help, you can call any of the Kirbys by whipping out your old antenna cell phone, because this was back in 2004, and you can summon any willing Kirbys to your presence, and they can lend a hand. Of course, that means they'll have to take the long way back to wherever they were if they don't want to stay with you, especially if they left something unfinished. I said that the game is mostly plotless after the first few screens, and that holds true, but there is some intrigue whenever you reach the end of World 8 out of 9. It's a, I get that it's suitably late in the story, provided you go in numerical order, but it still seems just a little random. You find yourself engaged in a battle against Meta Knight, except the game doesn't list him as Meta Knight, it just lists him as a bunch of question marks. He attacks you for seemingly no reason and leaves you alone after you win. After gathering all eight of the mirror shards, you hop into the dimension mirror, even though you're already in the mirror world. Uh, still don't really know what the details are on that one. And it looks like you're about to fight Meta Knight again, but then another Meta Knight shows up, and the first Meta Knight reveals itself to be Dark Meta Knight. Ooh. The implication of this is that Dark Meta Knight was your opponent back in World 8. It's often said that Dark Meta Knight's refusal to give Kirby a sword in their battle was a clue that it wasn't the real Meta Knight, because up to this point, Meta Knight usually makes a habit of offering Kirby the ability to use a sword before fighting him so they can have a gentlemanly sword fight. But in hindsight, I feel like this really falls flat, because in a lot more games after this, Meta Knight will not offer you a sword. In Squeak Squad, you fight Meta Knight and he won't give you a sword. You can copy the stars that show up, and they will grant you the sword ability, and you can grab a power-up in the room before Meta Knight, but he will not offer you a sword. In Epic Yarn, he doesn't offer you a sword, because he's under mind control. Same for Planet Robobot. 
I, I don't think he actually offered a sword again until Star Allies. Now, a lot of these are just plot reasons. I get that. They really wanted to establish that Meta Knight wasn't himself, but then that kind of falls flat in another way, because in Star Allies, he's not himself. He's all hopped up on Jamba Heart power, but he's still lucid enough to offer Kirby a sword. It just it feels really weird to me. I still hear the um in my head whenever I read about that detail in Amazing Mirror, like it's some amazing subtle clue about Meta Knight, but no, I just, I, I'm just not buying it. I'm sorry. Anyway, you finish off Dark Meta Knight, and then the true final boss appears, Dark Mind. The Kirbys chase Dark Mind through the depths of the Mirror World, armed with Meta Knight's very own sword, which is the best, most broken power in the game, as long as you can hold on to it. You go a few rounds against Dark Mind until he becomes his true final boss form, and then after that, you fight him in one more round, but he's so weak that you just hit him a couple times, and the credits start rolling, and the credits is basically just a mini-game where you're wailing on the guy over and over again. It's kind of funny and humiliating in a cathartic way, especially after all the trouble that Dark Mind might have given you. It is a little abrupt, I will admit, though. This game was released in 2004, and it hasn't really been referenced too much since, until 10 years later in Kirby Triple Deluxe. At the end of King DDD's mode, you defeat the villain from Kirby's mode, and then the Dimension Mirror pops in out of nowhere. For the first time in a decade, it spits out a shadowy version of King DDD, creatively named Shadow DDD. Fun fact, I, I've read somewhere that he was called Black DDD in the Japanese version, so probably a good localization there. And they say localization is terrible. What do you say to that? This battle against the DDD doppelganger, or the DD doppelganger as I don't like to say, is notable not only for the unexpected continuity of the Dimension Mirror showing up and referencing abilities that Dark Matter DDD used, but there's also the fact that Amazing Mirror is the first Kirby title to completely exclude King DDD. So we never really got to see a Shadow DDD before, only Shadow Kirby and Dark Meta Knight. Speaking of which, right after the fight with Shadow DDD, Dark Meta Knight also returns in this mode with a slight update to his design and a bunch of new abilities, which both carry over into his appearance in Star Allies. The Mirror counterparts would go on to see more screen time in some of the side Kirby games, I think. The 3D fighter game, or the spin-off to Robobot's RPG-inspired mode, I, I don't know much about the eShop Kirby spin-off titles. Kirby has never been known to be a difficult series, but Amazing Mirror is one of the more challenging entries. On top of the labyrinthine design of the Mirror World, it takes only one hit to lose your copy ability, and enemies respawn the instant they're off-screen. This is also one of the Kirby games to use the segmented life meter. Instead of everything dealing various amounts of damage to Kirby's life meter, Kirby can only withstand six hits, no matter who deals them. 
It wasn't an uncommon design choice for the series by any means, but it has fallen out of vogue with the newer games. You can find health upgrades, but, well, you have to find them. In the maze. There are maps that can guide you through the levels, but you have to find those too. And while I said that most obstacles that ask for a certain ability have the right enemies nearby, there are, of course, times where you're going to have to hold on to a power for multiple rooms before reaching the obstacle. And, of course, if you lose the power, you're going to have to go all the way back. Or sometimes there might be a one-way door involved, because, of course, this game will have those. And you have to be doubly careful, or else the backtracking will get real hard. Though I guess it can be mitigated by calling in another player who might have easier access to one of the powers you need. These kinds of obstacles are annoying, but I think it makes the Metroidvania comparisons a bit more balanced. While the coming and going of different abilities can make this game easier than others in the genre, it can also make it harder, so I think it checks out, even if it's annoying at times. Speaking of copy abilities, this game lacks Mirror Kirby, which you'd think would be a natural fit, but no. Well, at least it came back in Planet Robobot. No, instead of Mirror Kirby, we have Fire Kirby and Burning Kirby as separate powers in this game. One breathes fire, the other turns you into a fireball. Having both of these abilities was not necessary at all. In a lot of the Kirby games prior to Return to Dreamland, the copy abilities would usually have only one attack associated with them. Superstar was the exception, giving full movesets to most of the abilities. In Amazing Mirror, though, we're going by the standards of the time, so a bunch of powers that could probably stand to be merged with other powers. However, there is a particular copy ability, one of the rarest in the series, and it has a lot of moves attached to it. Smash Kirby. Every once in a while, you'll encounter Master Hand as a mid-boss, and beating him gives you Kirby's Smash Brothers Melee moveset, faithfully reproduced. He can't inhale anymore, but everything else is there. It's a rare but really fun power. It hasn't been seen in the series since with the exception of a mode in Kirby's Dream Collection and, once again, Kirby Planet Robobot. One thing about Kirby that's always fascinated me is the subtle continuity in lore. It's gotten more prominent as time goes on. Taking a good look at the final boss, Darkmind, it shows that he resembles a mix of two previous Kirby villains, Nightmare from Kirby Adventure and Zero, or Dark Matter, whichever, from Kirby's Dreamland 2 and 3. It's speculated that Dark Mind may be the counterpart to one or both of these villains, just as Kirby, Meta Knight, and eventually DDD had counterparts. Even more than that, the DDD tour mode in Triple Deluxe suggests that the Amazing Mirror itself, or the Dimension Mirror, was what drove the villain of the game to become the villain in the first place. Then we get to Team Kirby Clash Deluxe. We see that, just like Dark Meta Knight, Dark Mind has also survived. He's merged with Shadow DDD and become King D-Mind. So, Amazing Mirror really got a lot of love since the series started showing hints of continuity a lot more often. Part of that, all we had was Kirby Squeak Squad for DS, 
And that was just borrowing a lot of assets and powers and creating a wife for one of the bosses. I liked Squeak Squad just fine, but it's considered one of the weaker ones of the series. And yet, due to all the shared content, I can't help but think of Amazing Mirror and Squeak Squad as a pair. To be honest, I never really owned this game. Most of my experience playing it was borrowing a friend's copy, and that just amounted to replaying Moonlight Mansion over and over. After graduating high school, I bought a copy of the game for myself, but I was turned off by the Metroidvania design, and I needed some extra cash at the time. I would like to give this game its proper dues at some point, but I can also live without it. The one-hit-to-lose-powers shtick is annoying enough in Squeak Squad, I don't need it in a maze full of constantly respawning enemies. And even with the map, I get lost in video games really badly sometimes. I think I got lost going in a straight line in Twilight Princess at one point. So, this probably wouldn't ever be one of my top Kirby games. That would probably go to Planet Robobot or Superstar Ultra with a guilty pleasure spot going to Squeak Squad. For today's favorite songs, my first pick will be the Forest and Nature area, which got ported over into Super Smash Bros. Brawl as a highly unfitting music track for the Halberd stage. But I remember it as the first area theme once you get to Rainbow Route proper. Just very jolly, it sounds like Kirby is going on a march. Very good theme to emblemize the beginning of this cutesy quest. My next favorite is the theme for Candy Constellation. It just sounds unique for space music. At the beginning, it sounds like this, it sounds like the same grandiose music you'd usually expect from a space station level, but it quickly drops that in favor of a more unique sound. It's notable that both these songs are directly ported into Kirby's Squeak Squad. The series is known for bringing back old tunes, but this is just a straight copy-paste job. On one hand, it made me feel less bad for skipping Amazing Mirror, but on the other, wow, that's kind of a lazy soundtrack for Squeak Squad, huh? And as much as I love all the boss themes in this game, I'm gonna give the special attention to the final boss theme. It's hard to explain, but this one has a certain tension and, dare I say, drama that reminds me of really old RPGs like Lufia 2 anytime you'd fight one of the Sinistrals in that game. Funny enough, I think Olive Ocean shares the melody with the final battle theme. I'm not sure if that was intentional or not. It just seems like a random place to do that. Provided everything goes as planned, next week's BitCast will have not one, but two guests joining me to talk about a game. The first time since Bit39. I'm not looking forward to the editing on that, but the commentary was good in my opinion. Be sure to subscribe to the BitCast on Podcast One via the website or the app. Follow the BitCast on Twitter. Look for the BitCast episodes on iTunes, whatever your poison is. And that way you'll know when the next episode will debut. With that, I'll see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app.